0: Good morning. It's going to be with you on this uh, beautiful Thursday morning as we continue <clears throat> with uh, Paul's defense of himself before um, King Agrippa and um, Festus. Um, today we're going to read verses 1 through 23 of chapter 26 and Paul is going to give his testimony again. Paul, the, we see Paul give his testimony twice in um, Acts chapter 22 and now in chapter 26. Of course we see it we see the actual conversion play out in Acts chapter 9. So we see it three times in Acts. We see Paul tell it twice. But this version of Paul's testimony is my favorite, just because of one line that always, I don't know, just I just enjoy. It always kind of speaks to me. So we're going to read once again chapter 26, verses 1 through 24. I thought about breaking this up into several sections because my Bible does that, but I thought it would be best to read the whole thing and then look at it. So uh, 26, 1 through 23. Agrippa said to Paul, you have permission to speak for yourself. Then Paul stretched out his hand and began to defend himself. I consider myself fortunate that it is before you, King Agrippa, that I'm able to make a defense today against all the accusations of the Jews. Always remember, Jews means religious leaders because you are especially familiar with the customs and controversies of the Jews. Therefore, I beg of you to listen to me patiently. All the Jews know my way of life from my youth. A life spent from the beginning among my own people and in Jerusalem. They have known for a long time, if they are willing to testify, that I have belonged to the strictest sect of our religion and lived as a Pharisee. And now I stand here on trial on account of my hope and promise made by God to our ancestors. a promise that our 12 tribes hope to attain as they earnestly worship day and night. First, this this hope, Your Excellency, that I am accused by the Jews. Why is it thought incredible by any of you that God raises the dead? Indeed, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things against the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is what I did in Jerusalem. With authority received from the chief priest, I not only locked up many of the saints in prison, but also cast my vote against them when they were being condemned to death. By punishing them often in the synagogues, I tried to force them to blaspheme. And since I was so furiously enraged at them, I persuaded, I pursued them to even to foreign cities. With this in mind, I was traveling to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. When in midday along the road, Your Excellency, I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun, shining around me and my companions. When all had fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It hurts you to kick against the goats. I asked, who are you, Lord? The Lord answered, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But get up and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you to serve... And to testify to the things which you have seen me and those in whom I will, who will I, which I, to appoint you to serve and testify to the things in which you have seen me and in those which I will appear to you. I'll rescue you from your people, from the Gentiles, rescue you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you to open their eyes so that they may in turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. After that, King Agrippa, I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision, but I declared first to those in Damascus, then to Jerusalem and throughout the countryside of Judea, and also to to the Gentiles, that they should repent and turn to God and do deeds consistent with repentance. For this reason, the Jews seized me in the temple and tried to kill me. To this day, I have had help from God. So here I stand testifying to both small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses would have said would take place, that the Messiah must suffer, and that by being first raised from the dead, he will proclaim light to both our people and to the Gentiles. So we see Paul here telling his reason behind what he does, and also telling, once again, the story of his conversion. And I think there's something, I want to talk about the the, the line I like in a second, but I think there's something very important, y'all, about us telling our testimonies. I really do. I think sharing of our testimony is one of the most important things that we can do. Because when we share our testimony, we do two things. First, we are reminded of God's goodness in us. Uh, I love a line that Paul writes in the small book of Philemon. Uh, He said, always be encouraged by the sharing of your faith. When we share our faith, when we share what God has done for us or what God is doing for us, that encourages us. So, our testimony is not just what we, what God has done, but our testimony is what God is doing. So, we to give our testimony, we share so that we can be encouraged. But likewise, we share so that others can be encouraged. We share our testimony so that others can know the good things God has done, so others can understand the good things God has done. We tell our testimony not just for our benefit, but primarily for their benefit. So, when we tell what God is doing, it encourages others. Revelation. 12 says, the devil's defeated by the blood of the lamb and the power of their testimony. So our testimony affects things. It affects others. It really changes things. So tell your testimony. Tell, what, tell others what Jesus has done for you and tell others what Jesus is doing for you. You need to share your testimony often. It's an important discipline that we Christians should do is to share our testimony. Paul repeatedly tells what God has done for him. So I think that's important. That's one of the reasons why we see it often in the book of Acts. But then I think that the, I told you a line here that I love. I love. I love what Jesus said to him. Verse 15. Um, I'm sorry, verse, verse 14. When we had all fallen on the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persing, persecuting me? It hurts you to kick against the goads. I just love that phrase of kicking against the goad. There's an old... Cademan's call song. Cademan's call was a Christian group from the nineties. And there's a line in there where says kicking against the kicking against these goats sure does cut up my feet. Um, and it talks about how sometimes we kick against things that are hard. The goat in the Roman world, you know, Rome built these roads, which are golly, there's roads in Europe now that are laid upon the foundation of the Roman roads. They built the Roman roads are still actual roads that are used in many places. But if you've driven in the interstate, at least in Mississippi, um, if you drive off the interstate, you know there's little the, the road has that little cut-up portion where it'll shake your car and it'll make a loud noise to kind of alert you back to get on the road. Well, in Roman days, they had these things called goads. They were they were like these metal or clay balls with spikes sticking off of them. And the purpose was. That if your horse or your animal was drifting off the road, they would step on the goad and it would hurt and they would get back on the road. It was a way to keep animals and I guess people from drifting off the road and keeping them on the road. That's what a goad was. It was there to keep you on the road. I just love this image of God telling Paul to stop kicking against the goad. The goad is there for a good reason. It's there to keep you going the right direction. And I just love this image of Paul just waylaying the goad. I just love that. That's such a powerful image to me. Because think about how many times in our life we kick against the will of God. We kick against what God's doing. That God is pushing us somewhere. God is pulling us somewhere. God is guiding us somewhere. And we're like Paul and we're just kicking against that goad. The very thing that's going to help us. The very thing that's going to deliver us, the very thing that's going to save us, the very thing that's going to strengthen us, the very thing that God has sent there to help us. We kick against it because it might not be what we want to do, or it might not be the way we had it planned out, or it might not be our dreams or our plans or our visions or what whatever. So we kick against the goads Instead of going with the Spirit's leading, instead of doing what the Spirit's calling we're like Paul. We don't want to do it. We want to do it our way. We want to do it the way we want it done. We want to be controlled. We want to be the ones that are determining things. So we just waylay the goats, man. We just kick against them with all of our power and all of our might. I just, man, to me, that is such a powerful image of the struggle of faith sometimes because we know what we want to do. We know how we like to do it. We have our plans and our dreams. And God's goads, if you will, sometimes point us in a different direction. God's goads sometimes guide us in a different way. And we have two choices in that time, y'all. Choice one is we can go where the Spirit's guiding us. We can go where God's leading us. We can do what God's calling us to do. Or we can just way lay against that goad, man, and kick with all of our might until our feet are bloody and bruised. And it doesn't help us, does it, y'all? Kicking against the goads doesn't help, doesn't strengthen our faith, it doesn't do anything but just exhaust us and hurt us. So today, don't kick against the goads, y'all. If God's guiding you somewhere or leading you somewhere or directing you somewhere, Even if it's somewhere you may not want to go. Even if it's a path you might not want to walk. Even if it's something you don't think is the right thing. Go where the path of God is leading you. Go where the Spirit is directing you. Don't kick against the goats. It hurts your feet. Go where the Spirit's leading. It's a corny old saying, but I've learned it to be true. You can't beat the river into submission. You have to go with it. You're not going to outkick God. And you're not going to outkick the path he's leading you on. Even if it isn't the path you would have thought that you wanted to walk, go where God's leading you. For That's where for life is truly found. So I just, to me, I love this line about kicking against the goats. It's such an evocative, powerful line to me, so. Anyway, um, so tomorrow we're going to see how Paul's testimony lands with the leaders. So we'll pick up tomorrow with verse 24. Uh, Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your day.